I'm Matthew Woods, host of Leading Out of the Woods, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hi, everybody. Before the show starts, I would like everybody to know, uh, I know this month, this year has been pretty hard on y'all. I just want you to know, you're all doing a great job. Your kids love you. Yeah, it sounds kind of tacky, but they, they really do. And they really care about you guys teaching. So you guys are doing your best job. Have a, have a happy holiday. Welcome to Kindergarten Chaos. The Develop. Mentally Appropriate Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. And today we're going to talk about subtraction. Deja vu. I feel like we talked about this before. I hope it goes well since this is our third attempt (laughs) to do a podcast (laughs) about subtraction. The first time Lindsay lost her copy. Mm -hmm. The second time my microphone didn't work. Mm -hmm. And I forgot to put on headphones mm-hmm. to boot. And so now here we are. Here Take we are. three. We're trying again. Take three. If you uh, are listening, that means we have broken the curse of the subtraction <laughs> episode. That means third time third is time the charm. Third time is the charm. <laughs> so this is the time of the year when the subtraction unit is coming. My subtraction unit was in January. And before I really dived in and learned a lot more about subtraction, I was terrorized of the subtraction unit. (laughs) (laughs) And I knew I was in trouble in the addition unit when I came to the missing add-in section of that unit, that I knew that subtraction was only downhill from there. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm glad that I now know a lot of tips and tricks about subtraction and that Lindsay has such a wealth of knowledge to share with us about teaching subtraction. (laughs) So here we go. So one of the most important things that I learned to help me with my subtraction fear is I was uh, I was approaching subtraction as an isolated unit. Okay it's time for subtraction And I didn't realize at the time, well, I realized it, but I didn't, you know, what's the word? I didn't Uh, zone in on, (laughs) I don't know. Focus on it. I didn't realize at the time that, hey, wait a minute, subtraction and addition go hand in hand and we need to teach them hand in hand. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important thing that we need to know about subtraction and addition is they are not totally disparate concepts. They work together and they are two parts of the same idea. And that idea that we're trying to help students understand is that numbers are made up of parts and you can manipulate those parts in useful ways. And addition is one way to manipulate those parts and subtraction is another way to manipulate those parts. So I think for an example of that, let's hear my daughter try out a few math problems right now. 
girl and she had five cupcakes and she ate some of them and now she has two left. So how many did she eat? She ate three cupcakes. Well, you knew that fast. How'd you know that? <laughs> because I already did and also Wait, I what? knew that You already three... did what? I, I already... Um... What did you already know that helped you figure out that story? So I already knew that two plus three equaled um, five. So all I had to do was it equal the parts that made up five and what two plus what equals five, and then that was the answer. And then you knew that was the missing piece? Mm-hmm. Well, that's tricky. Okay, let's try another one. Okay. There were six birds sitting on the tree, and one bird flew away. How many birds are still in the tree? Five. Well, <laughs> how'd you know that one so fast? Because it's easy. But what did what do you know already that helps make that easy for you? Five, six, seven, Wait. eight, nine, ten. <laughs> you can you can do it. So what did you do? <laughs> I counted. What did you um? So I minus six. So I counted backwards from six. I counted one backwards from six. And all I had to do was count one, so it was easy for me to figure it out so that it went by so fast. Because you can count backwards like that? Yeah. <gasps> You're so tricky. All right. Tell Nana good night. Good night, Nana. I think one great thing that you'll notice about the way that G solved those problems is for the first problem, she was thinking about the parts and using the parts to solve the problem. And that's what we want our kids to do is to think about the parts in the number and use them to figure out uh, addition and subtraction math problems. And for the second problem, she used her knowledge of counting forwards and backwards to solve the problem, which works really good with plus ones and minus ones and plus twos and minus twos. Beyond that, you don't want to do that anymore, but it works really good for those ones. Um, but the first step in getting kids there is rote counting because they're going to use that for those plus one, minus one problems. So we practice a lot of rote counting and rote memorization of the numbers sequence forwards, but we also need to practice that sequence backwards and help, help kids memorize um, how to count backwards from 10. I think a good and example of that is, maybe 22. is counting in Spanish. So I can do uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. But if you ask me, okay, what's the number eight or what's the number six? I have to go uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco <laughs> and, count, and count two to it while I'm touching my fingers. Now, if you ask me to count backwards, uh, no, I couldn't even attempt to do that. So do I have the concept, knowledge concept of counting in Spanish? No. <laughs> it's completely rote memorization, which is the place to start. But there's so much more to counting than memorizing. Yeah. So row counting is a, isn't number sense, but it's a good place to start. And kids need to know that sequence so they can use that sequence. So while you're working on the rote sequence memorization, you can start right ahead with the number sense that kids need 
for addition and subtraction. And the very basic number sense concept that they need is working with parts and wholes. So they understand how to take a number and divide it up into its parts and remember what those parts are. And there's a lot of different ways that you can practice part-whole relationships in numbers. One of my favorite is those beans that are two-sided and um, they come with a lot of math programs. Saxon Math has them. The one side is white and one side is red. But back in the old Boxit and Bagot days, if anyone ever has heard of Boxit and Bagot, it's fabulous. It's a great early math program. They just tell you to spray paint your beans. So I just had a bunch of lima beans and I spray painted one side white and flipped them over and painted the other side red. And voila, I had my two-sided beans. Two-sided beans. <laughs> and so to begin with, a five is such a great number to start with for me. You could even start with, a, with the number three if um, you know, you're working with preschoolers. That's probably a better number. So hand, but for this example, I'll just stick with five. Hand each kid five beans in a little cup, a little portion cup. Um, I like to use those. And have the kids hold their hand over the portion cup, shake their beans and, and put them down on the table. And then we talk about what color their beans are. So Susie, how many white beans do you have? I have three. How many red beans? Two. Does anyone else have three white beans and two red beans? And so as I talk about it, I generally always kind of just record it on the whiteboard for kids that are ready for that step. As we know, all of our kids are at different levels of development. So even though I'm mostly focusing or totally focusing at this time on just the number sense and the looking at, I still will do the recording for the higher kids. And so then I'll say, Joey, what do you have? And he'll say, I have only one white bean and four red beans. And so that's a great fun way to, to kind of introduce um, the part-whole relationship. Another really easy way to work with part-whole relationships is you can play a simple game where you take a set of stacking cubes and you stack up a stack of three or five or whatever number you want to work with and then you hide the, and you show how many there are and you establish for everybody how many there are and then you put the stack behind your back and you break it and you show one, you break it into both your hands and you show one hand and then the kids have to figure out how many are still behind your back. So you've broken it up into parts and that's a fun game for them to play with partners. They really like to do that with partners and it starts to build their part whole understanding of numbers. Yeah, I think you'll find that game in a few of our units that are there's kind of examples of that uh, our march homework packet has alien snap and my kids love that and i know when i sent that home with parents they really i had a lot of comments about it that parents for the first time were kind of catching on at what we were trying to do with whole part relationship because for example people like myself that learned um, just wrote memorization. It's kind of an, it's hard. It was hard for me to really realize what um, the whole of number sense was. And why, why kids need to understand 
the numbers are in parts. Yeah. Why can't they just memorize? Well, you are you always had good number sense, just naturally. So. Well, yeah, but I. Okay, so an example is when I was first student teaching, Miss um, Law, my mentor teacher. During testing time, she was bringing some kids over, and she had some little teddy bears, and she had like five bears and put them in her hand and hid them behind her back and then held out maybe two bears and said, how many are hiding? And the kids answered her. And I thought, why is she doing that? I didn't understand it really at all why she was doing that. So that's why I know that I really didn't understand relationships. It's kind of like phonics. I really didn't know phonics <laughs> until I started teaching it because I was taught to read with Dick and Jane and the same with numbers. I had a lot of uh, skills that I had to come up with to do math that kind of naturally brought me to more number sense, but that's not how I was taught to do math. I feel like I'm that way too because I never had good number sense growing up and I was pretty good at following an algorithm but I felt like I didn't really understand what I was doing and even though I got good grades in math I felt like somebody was all somebody someday was going to find me out <laughs> that I, your fingers were hiding that under I the was desk. faking be, <laughs> that I was faking my good grades in math because I didn't really understand what I was doing because I could solve the math problems in class and follow all the steps but I couldn't go to the grocery store and figure out if I had enough money to buy what was in my shopping cart <laughs> so I'm like I must be secretly bad at math and someday someone is gonna find out and then I started teaching math and took some classes on number sense and and I've actually worked on my own number sense at the same time to the point where I can like play a card game with numbers and be like, wait, I know what those numbers are together. <laughs> and I didn't have to write it on a piece of paper. <laughs> so, yeah, we learn things. <laughs> we do. Another one that I really like to do is on the, with a document camera, have some Oh, you can do it with anything because, you know, of course, I'm into thematic teaching. <laughs> and so if I'm doing polar bears, I'll have my five little polar bear manipulatives on the document camera. And just a paper bowl makes a great cave. And so I will put the cave over the five polar bears and take some out and leave them outside and say, oh, three polar bears. Okay, we have five polar bears in it and some go into a cave and I'll put the cave on and leave a few out. How many polar bears are in the cave? Three bears are on the outside. How many polar bears are in the cave? And wow, my kids had such a difficult time with that. When I started first doing the polar bear activity, and my students were struggling with it and so then I would just break it down and start with three bears. I have three polar bears and some go into a cave. I hold up the cave so they can all watch me <laughs> put two and put the plate down and leave one out. So I had three polar bears and one is outside. How many are on the inside? 
Well, the answer came quickly because it was two, so they watched me. So then I would move to four polar bears and then do it without them um, watching. And so pretty soon they were using their part-whole relationship to come up with the bears. And the kids love being the teacher in this one. And then I move it into, after we've done it whole group, that we can move it into centers for the kids to play in partners and and. And I love it when other. you can get them to play in partners because they have a good time and they're practicing their math and they don't even know it. They or yeah. they know it, but <laughs> it's fun. So they yeah, it's fun. Are enjoying so they themselves. like it. Another good way to practice part whole relationships is by doing quick images, and that's where you show the kids a picture of um, a number arranged in a certain way that will help them understand the number relationships and you show them for just a few minutes and then you hide it again and you give the kid a whiteboard or a paper or a piece of paper and you ask them to draw what they see and you tell them to use the patterns they saw to remember what they remember so that probably sounded like a bunch of gibberish but so imagine the dots on a dice it's easy to remember what number you're seeing on the dice because they're arranged in a specific pattern. A uh, three is a diagonal line, a four is a square, um, a five is a square with a dot in the middle. And so think about those patterns and how you could create patterns like that to show the kids quickly and encourage them to try to remember them without having to count each dot. Like for example, the 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 easy way to remember the five on a dice is a four plus one. So you're, you're naturally breaking it into a pattern to remember it. And then if you encourage the kids to talk about the patterns they saw and show what they wrote down, um, then you can really bring out the part-whole relationships in that activity. And I love to say the name of this, that activity, subitizing. Oh, yes, it is subitizing, yes. I thought you said subitizing. it was <laughs> I think both are correct now. I think we oh, had good. a fight about it once, and then I think we came to the conclusion that both are right. I uh have, -huh, probably. But I love that activity. I've also seen it called quick images in a lot of curriculum. But I think one thing we should point out is all of these activities we've said so far involve concrete or pictorial things that the kids can either touch or they can visualize because mm -hmm. that's where we want to start we definitely want to start with concrete things that the kids can touch and feel and um, work with and then start moving into pictures that the kids can see and work with and drawings um, we never want to start off with um, just numerical problems I mean we, like you said we should always be writing down the problems that represent the math that we're doing like if you're doing the bears in the cave yeah on your whiteboard write down three plus one equals four or whatever you did but we don't start there because that's abstract and kindergartners are not abstract thinkers at all so we're taking we're building a really strong concrete foundation and showing them how these numbers represent this concrete thing and we're going to slowly slowly get them to the point where they can use those abstract symbols themselves so one activity i like to do to kind of introduce 
um, my students to thinking in terms of subtraction is I will call my, and I'm going to stick with my magic number five, I'll have five students come and stand in the front and I'm not even going to know the known of this problem because I just tell the students, now I'm going to tell you um, in the problem that some of you will sit down and you can decide if you sit down or stand up. So I say, okay, we have five students in front. Let's count them. One, two, three, four, five. And I'll write the number five on the board. All right, we have five students. Some of our students sat down. And then, I don't know. I mean, at first it kind of seems like most of them, <laughs> as a rule, always they sat, all down. Want to sit down. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Me? they I all sit sat down. down. So if I had five students, and five students sat down, then how many students are still standing? And the answer is zero. Now once they find out that they get, if they keep standing, that they also get a little accolade, <laughs> <laughs> then later they choose to stand. But I found that that one kind of gets them excited about, because um, they're kinesthetically joining mm -hmm. into it, into the activity. And it's a good way to directly tie something concrete to the numbers you're writing on the board. So it's a good modeling for them of how to represent a situation with subtraction. And something I was thinking about as you're telling that activity um, that we can keep in mind as we're teaching subtraction is an addition problem is when you know two parts and you don't know the whole two or more parts, I guess, because you can add multiple numbers. But addition is when you know the parts and you're trying to figure out the whole. Subtraction is when you know the whole and you're trying to figure out the parts. So in your example, you know how many kids are standing at the front of the room and you know how many sat down. What you're trying to figure out is how many are left standing. So I think that helps figure out how to approach subtraction to when you're teaching it because a lot of the times we think about it as takeaway because that's what we call it but um, if we lean too much on that vocabulary then we might give the kids the idea that the way to figure out subtraction is to count backwards all the time and that's a really inefficient way of solving a subtraction problem that we don't want them to get mm -hmm. stuck on because if I have to solve 5 minus 4, having to think how to count backwards 4 is really hard. Like for me as a grown-up, thinking, okay, 5, count backwards 4. That would be 4, 3, 2, 1. Did I count back enough? I'm not sure. Was that, you know, it's really complicated. That's, that's where the fingers come in. Here. That's where the fingers come in. But that's a lot, that's a lot to hold that's, in your head to yeah. have to remember how, the sequence of counting backwards, how many you have to count backwards. <coughs> that's a lot of cognitive load. That's a lot to put in their little brains. Whereas the easier way to solve 5 minus 4 is to think, oh, well, I know that 4 plus 1 is 5. So the missing piece is 1. Done. Yeah. So um, even though we say takeaway, and yeah, we can continue to call it takeaway, 
we don't want to get stuck on the idea. We don't want to get kids stuck on the idea that they're always going to count backwards. We want them to think about what part is missing. So they will use addition to solve subtraction because that's the easier way to do it. That's how um, sophisticated number sense works when you're solving subtraction. After your students have all of this experience with number sense and you've modeled writing numbers, numerals on the board as you're um, doing all these manipulatives and you've really set, set a great foundation, then it's time to give your students opportunity with the abstract symbols and formal subtraction problems. The kids will be really excited for them. They love to do those subtraction worksheets once they have the tools in their brain ready to go and ready to go <laughs> and move forward to solve the addition or subtraction problems. Well, one thing that I like about the subtraction worksheets that you've made that I stole from you and always used because they're good <laughs> is that you have really good introductory subtraction worksheets because they usually have a picture to go with them. Like 5 minus 4 equals what would have 5 stars or something on the bottom. And then it's really easy for you to have the kids look at the five stars, that's the whole, let's separate the part that we know and maybe circle the four stars that we know. What's the piece we don't know? Oh, it's this one star over here, that's what goes in the box. So I like that um, you can use work, I like to use worksheets that um, make your job of explaining what they're doing easier. <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping that we've given you a few tips that will help with your subtraction unit that is probably coming up and help you really understand and think about that subtraction and addition has such a giant foundation that needs to be laid before you hand kids that missing add-in page from <laughs> GoMath. <laughs> And they all start to cry. <laughs> and just keep doing it. Just do both at the same time. Don't ever drop that part whole concrete piece as you start introducing the abstract piece. Just keep work putting them together the whole time. I think that really helps. I think it does because it, it takes a lot of practice to mm -hmm. be great at math. And I think a lot of teachers think that that great practice comes from those speed sheets. No. Those those math in a no. minute sheets. And that's almost completely the opposite. It really does the opposite effect of what you're trying to get. There's nothing wrong with teaching kids to be efficient at math. Kids should be efficient. But speed tests only teach kids to be anxious about math. <laughs> they true. don't improve. Because here's the thing. Okay, now you started it. Now I have to go on my speed test soapbox. Here's the thing about the math test is it gives the kid no opportunity to improve their um, strategies. For example, if you're giving a kid a speed test on addition to five and they Key, and they're going to be so stressed because you're asking them to do it fast, number one, that their brain will shut down and they won't be able to access their strategies. <laughs> and number two, let's say the one, the thing that the kid doesn't know is two, pl two plus three. 
and they keep missing two plus three. Where in that speed test did it give the kid any practice on how to be more efficient at solving two plus three? Nowhere. It just kept saying, just keep trying. Just keep looking at it. The more you look at two plus three, the faster you'll be at it. Maybe you should look at it some more. They're, they don't help any. No, they, they just don't. make kids hate math and get anxiety about it. But acting out math and playing with math with manipulatives will actually... Like if you don't know 2 plus 3 on your test, <laughs> go get an activity that helps you learn the parts of 5. Don't just uh, keep doing that. Ah, okay. I know a teacher that when they didn't get it, then they just would send home more speed tests. <laughs> For homework, because if they didn't stare at it and know two plus well, three, well, if you can't school, do it in a minute at school, then <laughs> if I send it home and tell you to do it in a minute at home, something magic will change in your brain on the way home. <laughs> like if they're not fast at it, there's we need to teach them how to be fast at it, not just keep putting the paper. In. Okay, I'm done. And really, is it important to be fast at math? No, it's important to be efficient at math. Yeah, it is not. Because math is about being a logical, analytical solver of problems. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be fast. In fact, sometimes you don't want to be fast because you want to think through that problem and make sure you didn't make any mistakes. Math is about strategy. And again, I'm going to say it again because I don't want anybody (laughs) to get the wrong impression. You do want kids to be efficient. But speed is not the goal. Efficiency. <laughs> with oh. a capital E. With a capital E. I almost said with a capital F. Efficiency. 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 Hey, by the way, if, if you, you want, want to see, see how where your child your is, <laughs> yeah, how proficient they are proficient. in math and any of your skills early skills make sure that you try esgi esgi software.com and right now if you use the code kathy library k-a-t-h-y l-i-b-r-a-r-y you will be able to get 90 free days of esgi and when you purchase it you will get uh, save 50 dollars off your subscription and ESGI will donate $8 to Read in Color. So it is a great time to try it. Give it a try. I know that with COVID, I've had emails from several homeschool parents that have just purchased ESGI just for their own use with their own child. And they're giving comments that it is keeping them on the right track. Because, you know, right now, there are a lot of people that are teaching their kids at home or trying to help their kids at home where they are doing distance learning. And it's just a great roadmap. It's, it's a roadmap laid out for you to make sure that all the parts are in place for your students to move forward academically. So ESGISoftware.com code Kathy Library to get 90 free days. That's awesome. That is awesome. 
Thank you so much to everybody who's written to us. If you have any questions, send them in. We are thinking about doing an episode just on your questions. So if you have something you want us to answer, you can write to us at kindergartenkiosk at gmail.com. I almost forgot to say where to write it. <laughs> just write. Just, just write, write us. And, and then burn it. It'll go smoke, goes in the air, and waft our... No, write us an email. Hey, and make sure that you review us on iTunes because we really enjoy reading those reviews. And from the one review that told me not to say kids anymore, <laughs> I have grown as a human being because I was talking to a neighbor yesterday about kids in our neighborhood. And I said, those kids is, I mean, kids. <laughs> so I've grown. I no Aww. longer say it anymore. So if we're I now mispronouncing any kids. other words. You could leave yeah, a comment. Please, please let us know, but maybe email us privately <laughs> <laughs> and let us know our faults privately. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope this gave you some ideas for subtraction, and we hope that everybody is doing all right and staying safe. Take care, everyone. Take care, everybody. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?